Bible. It's the book of Revelation. And we're going to finally get to um, some parts that many of you have probably been wondering about, like uh, the beast, the mark of the beast, 666. We have not gotten there yet. And so today, if you've been wondering about those things, they're very iconic for the book of Revelation. Well, today's your day to talk about the beast and his mark and 666. So that's uh, kind of like some side points of this sermon. That's not really the, the key point of this sermon. The key point of this sermon is going to be similar to last week. It's similar to the whole arching story of the book of Revelation, which is this, that no matter how bad things get on earth, in the end, Jesus wins. Like I can look around this room and I know many of you, I don't know all of you, but I know many of you and I know some of your stories. I know some of your struggles. I know some of the things going on. There's, there's grief. There's not everything is right. Some, some of you are in need of healing. Some of you are in need of a healing of a loved one. Some of you are, are in need of this situation or that situation. Some of you have job loss. Some of you are in need in different situations, but I can because of what Jesus said. I can look around this room and look you all in the eye and say, it's going to be okay. And we're going to get through this. I could look each and every one of you in the eye and say that. How can I say that? Why am I like, like who is this guy? Who, who am I that I'm able to say it's all going to be okay? You don't know that. Yes, I do. Because our hope is in Jesus. And if you are with him, like we have this hope that even in death, he has conquered death. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was saying like, well, you are not just here to survive. We're here to thrive. Like that's a common saying. I love that saying. Like we're not just going to survive this. We're going to thrive. And then in reading the book of Revelation, as things get worse in the context with the dragon and the beast and, and all these situations, I think, you know what? We, we might not actually survive, but it doesn't matter. We're still going to thrive. Like that's the great promise of Jesus returning. That's the great promise of this story ending and being fulfilled and Jesus coming back is that we might not survive, but still even in death, we will thrive. And I hope it's, it sounds morbid what I'm saying right now, but I hope that you will receive it as good news that yes, it's all going to be okay. Jesus is in charge. So if you would turn to Revelation 13, we're going to read a big chunk of 13 all the way to verse 10. And then we're going to jump uh, to verse uh, one of chapter 14 and read a couple verses there. This whole sermon is on Revelation 13 and Revelation 14. And I only got about 20 minutes. So I am going to just kind of take a piece together a couple different things here. So if you would, we're going we're gonna to be standing for a little while. If you're able to stand, would you stand with me? Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. Do you remember last week we were talking about a dragon and this dragon is Satan himself. He's the devil. This is a scary scene. Kids don't have nightmares. Adults don't have nightmares. This is scary stuff. Uh, the dragons, imagine this, standing on the shore of the sea and I saw a beast 
coming up out of the sea, like an old Godzilla movie or something. It had 10 horns, seven heads, 10 crowns on its horns. And each head had a blasphemous name, like a, like a face tat. I was listening to a comedian that said, don't mess with people with face tats. There are a few inconveniences away from destroying you. <laughs> Whatever, that's just a joke. But this beast has a face tat with what on it? A blasphemous name. He's got like cuss words swear words on his face tatted on him verse two the beast i saw resembled a leopard had feet of those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion this is straight copying plagiarism from the book of daniel this is this is uh john wants us to be in line with like he's talking about the same beast kind of things like daniel we'll talk about that today one of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound that fatal wound had been healed well well, I'll, i'll share some ideas of what that could be. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. And people worshiped the dragon. So the dragon standing there kind of conjuring up this beast. The dragon is also worshiped because he had given authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast and asked, who's like the beast? Who can wage war against it? And the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies to exercise its authority for 42 months. We've seen this number before. How many years is 42 months? three and a half years. We've seen time times and half a time, three years. We've seen 1,620 days, which is all the same number, three and a half years. We keep seeing the same details. We keep seeing basically the same story. Bad guys arise and the suffering lamb wins. And if you're with the suffering lamb, Jesus, you will win too. It's been pretty much the same sermon the last couple weeks. You might not have recognized it, but I've recognized it because I've preached it. Let's continue on. Where were we? Seven. And I was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Verse eight. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast and all the names have been written. All the names who have been written, not written in the Lamb's book of life. The lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So all the people, their names not written in the book of life are worshiping the beast and the dragon who we know is Satan himself. He who has ears, let him hear. If anyone goes into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed by the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This is how I've kind of come to this idea, which is the title of this sermon, that even if we don't survive, we will thrive. Like it's saying here, like there's going to be some people who are killed. um, and, And even in the end, Jesus wins. This calls for, this is point number three that we'll get to today. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. That's, that'll be the closing point today when we wrap up this sermon. The patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. That's what we're being called to do. So skip ahead. Uh, it, it goes into the second beast. It gets into the mark of the beast. It gets into 666. We'll talk about these things. But skip down to this. This is the good news. Revelation 14, verse 1. And then I looked, and there before me was a lamb. We know who this is. Standing on Mount Zion with him, the 144,000. We've seen that number 
before and again and again. We keep seeing the same things. And his name and his father's name were written on their foreheads. Like the people following me, the beast, they have their, the beast name on their forehead. These people, the 145,000, those with Jesus have the father's name and Jesus' name on their foreheads. And I heard the sound from heaven like a roar of the rushing waters, like a loud peal of thunder. What he's saying about that. The sound I heard was like that of the harpists playing their harps and they sang a new song. Amen. Before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. Lord, we pray to you that as we stand with you, those in faith, standing um, in belief in you, Lord, that you would be with us, be with us, even though there's fear, even though there's temptation, even though there's bad days, you will be with us. We will be with you. And with you, Lord, you are reigning and you, Lord, are conquering. We will thrive because we are with you and you've conquered all things. Though we praise you and we worship you and God's people shout it with joy. Amen. Amen. All right. You may be seated. This is a scary passage. If you ever have kids that uh, want to hear a story, they're like going to bed, like, I'm scared. Will you read me a story? This would be the worst possible passage of scripture to read. I mean, there's a dragon. He's standing on the shore. There's a beast coming out of the sea. We didn't read this part, but verse 11 of 13 says, a second beast comes out of the earth and it speaks like a dragon. This is scary stuff. And the second beast forces all the people, rich and poor, slave and free, to receive a mark on their foreheads and their hands so that they cannot buy and sell without the mark. And it's the name and it's a beast name. The number is 666. And then you skip down to chapter 14. And there's an angel saying, fallen is Babylon. Uh, They will make the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Daddy, what is the maddening wine of adulteries? If anyone worships the beast in its image and this receives the mark, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out in full strength. The cup of wrath and the smoke and the torment will rise forever. Daddy, what is the smoke of torment that will rise forever? This is scary stuff, right? Can, can we be like, this is a very scary passage and we should ask each other, what in the world does it mean? How do we interpret this? Like whenever you read the book of Revelation, that's kind of the question. Like, how, what's your interpretation? How do we interpret the book of Revelation? So I'm going to get through a three point sermon and, and through each point, or at least the first two, we'll talk about the mark of the beast and the beast and the 666 stuff and, and, and two views I will point out when we go through these. The first view that I'll point out will be the view that maybe many of you are familiar with. It's a view that I don't hold to, but I'm respectful of the view. And it's kind of a dispensational view. It takes the book of Revelation and says, the book of Revelation is codes for the people living in the last times. And so people will take the codes and say, oh, this thing, this person could be this. And most people assume that whatever time they're living in, that it is the end of the world. And so the things and the pieces of Revelation are to the people living in the end times. This is like the Left Behind series, the, this book series that came out years ago. This is uh, maybe, uh, for some of you, this is the only view of the Revelation book that you know. Like you're just like, oh, it isn't it all about the end times. Um, and so we'll get to that. And I disagree with that view because I think my view that I respectfully disagree with, the view, it's not just my view, it's a view um, of looking at the book of Revelation through the lens of the first century. So this view would say, this book, Revelation, isn't written to us. 
It's written for us. And so we have to interpret it through the lens of the people to whom it was written to. What would they have thought the number 666 was? Who would they have thought the beast was? Does that make sense? And so I think that question is much more important and practical to understanding Revelation than to skip. I think, I think this view over here, the, the dispensational view, skips that view, which is so important. Are we cool? So, so the, the, there is, I mean, I realize that when we get to the book of Revelation, there is like arguments in, under the umbrella, in this room, under the sanctuary, like we're all together, we can respectfully exchange ideas and disagreements, and that's okay. We are in this together. We're going to thrive together, no matter what, because Jesus is in charge, right? Okay, amen. Thank you. So point number one is this. We'll talk about the beast. The power of the beast, this creature that comes up out of the, the depths of the sea with the dragon standing right there. The power of the beast distracts us from God's real power. So whoever, whatever you think about this beast, whoever it is, it seems to be like a political power. Like this, this person has a lot of power to make all people worship him and take this mark. He's a political leader of some sort. And the second beast with him seems to be like the power of economics and the money machine and the world, whatever that is. So if you have a dispensational view of the book of Revelation, uh, people in the past, this view is only about 100 years old, by the way. Uh, it's a view that takes the book of Revelation and, and, and makes it like, okay, what are the, the things in this book that would apply to today? So people in uh, the past I, uh, have looked at the beast and said, the beast could be, and there's this verse in Revelation 13, 3, I mentioned it, that said the beast was wounded in his head, a fatal wound, but then that wound healed. And so way back in the day, in 1963, people really thought, I think it's unfortunate because there was people grieving, but when JFK was assassinated, people were like, that's the beast. Like he's wounded and he's going to come back to life. Could that be? That's the beast. Definitely. Look, it says right here. And unfortunately, like for that group and others, that wasn't correct. And, and what we have to think, realize is that all the views in this dispensational view have all in the past, like not come true. It's a 100% wrong leading up to today. And, and yet still people are like, well, let's take this. And maybe if we bend this conspiracy theory, it could be this person. So a couple years ago, uh, the beast that comes Comes out of the sea. A lot of people were like, you know who this is? This is Obama because he was born in Hawaii, which is in the middle of the ocean. Did anybody else hear this? Like, I remember people like, it's gotta be, he's gotta be the beast. And now he's no longer president. So it's like, ah, that's probably a bad old theory now. Or, um, oh, like the beast from the land. People like, are this gotta be the leader of Russia? Like, so Gorbachev, because Russia's the biggest land country. It's like, he's the second beast that comes out of the land. And like, look at this and look at that. And it all kind of lines up. And it didn't. And so it was wrong. And so like that, that view of dispensational looking at the book of Revelation, I, I just disagree with it. And, and many of you maybe like have that view, but I, I think that these iconic images, um, are, I need to address them today. So that's what we're going to do and then get to a bigger point. But the other view. So how would we, I think this question is much more important for us this morning. How would the early church, these seven churches to whom the book of Revelation is written to, how would they have interpreted the beast? Well, they would have seen clearly, I already hinted at this, that these beasts, like what this beast looked like is just like the book of Daniel's beasts. And who was Daniel writing about? He was writing about the empire of his time, Babylon and Persia. And then so taking on these symbols, John is writing about the beast of his day, the political powers, which would be the empire of Rome. Rome and its leader, the emperor, the early church would have seen as the beast. And I think he doesn't 
ever name it as Rome. He kind of gives clues and symbols like this is, this is the, the war machine, Rome. Who can make war with him? Like nobody can because Rome is so big and bad. Because I think like these things just repeat themselves. Like we're, we're living now 2,000 years from when this was written. And, and we wonder like, okay, there is still these political powers getting in charge and there's pressure today. There's, there's persecution today around the world. There's churches like Jeff Nolan mentioned, like not meeting because of different regions having uh, like closures and things like that. And like, we have to be aware, like there's pressures today and we should not succumb to the pressures of politics saying like, don't worship the Lord or, or even don't gather. We need to stand strong because Jesus is Lord and we will thrive with him. Amen. Amen. Okay. Number two is this. So that's, that's point number one about the beast. Uh, point number two would be about the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast tempts us to trust in a world in the world and not God. So all these people following the beast, this creature, this, uh, image of the beast and receiving their image. It's, it's, uh, tempting us to trust in the political power of the day, not in God. Let me read it for us. Uh, chapter 13, verse 16 says, it, and so it's referring to the second beast, making people worship the first beast. It forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands and on their foreheads so they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or its number of its name. This calls for wisdom, kind of an invitation, like think this through. What is it? Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. That number is six, six, six. What is this number? scary number. It's a number like people talk about. It's a mysterious number. I remember in elementary school, kids bringing me to a set of lockers and they're like, look at the lockers. I'm like, what? It's lockers. They're like, look at them. I'm like, okay, what's wrong with it? Look at the numbers. And I was like, what? It goes from 665 to 667. What's the big deal? And I was like, oh, it's missing. 666, the locker number. It, and it is a little elementary school kid. I was like, is it a portal to another world? Like, what's this number? 666, where's the locker? The locker has disappeared. <laughs> and as an adult now, I'm like, they probably just removed the number so that poor, some poor little kid wouldn't be assigned 666 and then he would get bullied and then they call him the Antichrist. Like, they just remove the number. Like, let's make it easy. Uh, right? Like, that's what happened. It's not, a, it's not missing because it portaled through. <laughs> uh, it's really funny in my head, but apparently it's not that funny to you all. That's okay. What is this number? And people have like, it's, it's kind of an invitation. Like figure this out. Let the person who has insight calculate the number. And so people have tried to figure this out. Uh, years ago in the, in the late 80s, people were like, you know who this is? You know who the mark of the beast is? You know who the 666 is? Well, it's someone with Ronald is their first name because that has six letters. Their middle name is Wilson. That has six letters. And their last name is Reagan, which also has... Six letters, like he's the Antichrist, it's him. And so people are like, do you remember, does anybody remember this, like Christians? No, no one remembers, like Reagan. And my, my friend Brett, who's the associate pastor here, pointed out that when Reagan was done being president for his term, he moved to a house, and no joke, the house's address was 666 Cloud Street. And Nancy was like, not having it, so she changed the address, like real story, like true story. And it's like, people are like going nuts, like Christians trying to figure this out. 
out. Like we found him. He's the beast. He's the Antichrist. It's his number. This is it. And now he, he passed away in what, 04? Like people are like, well, we got we to gotta switch and shift the theories around because he probably wasn't. We probably had it wrong. And it's like, stop doing that. Like I realize that this view and the conspiracy theories, that's very tempting but we need to knock it off. We need to stop. People back in the day thought credit cards were the mark of the beast because people hold them in their hand and use them. You can't buy or sell without credit cards. And some of you that are in debt because of credit cards, you're like, yeah, actually that is the, right? I think of financial peace. Tim and Meredith, raise your hand. They, they lead uh, financial peace here on Thursday. How many credit cards did you guys cut up in the financial peace? 15 credit cards. So, so financial peace, helping people get free of debt and learning principles. And so credit, credit cards, they're the mark of the beast. Well, probably not. I mean, like, like other, other things are like the UPC code. Like can't, you can't buy or sell without that. How many of you have heard that theory, right? That that's the mark. Okay. One, a couple people. I remember that. Uh, and cell phones, anybody remember when like in the late nineties, when like everybody was getting a cell phone and you hold it up to your head and you hold it in your hand and, and people are like, you can't even buy or sell without cell phones anymore. People are like, the cell phone, that's the mark of the beast. And nowadays we'd probably say, no, not quite. Like that's, I mean, everyone has a cell phone. So the end of the world hasn't happened yet. And so all that confusion to say, how would the early church have interpreted the mark of the beast and 666? Well, the, the wording of this, that they took the, the name of the beast on their forehead and their hand, that's supposed, if you were a Jewish person in anywhere in, and in the first century, you'd be reminded of the Shema, which is this prayer in Deuteronomy 6, 4 that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Do you know that prayer? It's, it's an ancient prayer. It's in the book of Deuteronomy. And then it says, this prayer, bind it on your heads and your hands. This is what it says. Deuteronomy, look it up, 6, 8 is what says that. And so people, Jewish people to this day, uh, have like phylacteries. They put like a little uh, thing on their forehead and their hand and they kind of wrap it on. And you've maybe seen Orthodox Jews in Jerusalem praying with these things on. Well, what is that? Well, that's the pledging allegiance to God. And, and it's in this verse, I think, as a figurative thing, like what you do with your hands. May it be in the Lord what you, who you are, what you think. Uh, may it be in the Lord. Um, but so the, the first century, they would have said, oh, this is just pledging your allegiance. People are pledging their allegiance to the beast. And who is the beast? Well, they would have thought, well, it's talking about Rome and the powers of Rome. And people back in the day, there was something called gematria, which was lining up numbers and the Hebrew and Greek alphabets. It was like popular to do back then and, and send little codes and encode things and numbers and the words. I mean, they didn't have Netflix. They didn't have the internet. They didn't even have magazines back then. They had to do something. And so they, they did numbers and um, they did letters and put them together. And if you add up the numbers in Hebrew to each letter has a number, uh, most people would say in Hebrew, the word Nero Caesar adds up to 666. In Hebrew, the word beast adds up to 666. And so people at that time would have said, who's the beast? Well, it's the Roman power. What's the mark of the beast? Well, it's going along with him and his ways. And people back then would, would use money to buy and to sell. And you couldn't buy or sell without money. And this was becoming more of a monetary system in the ancient world. And whose face was on the coin? 
Caesar, yeah, the guy trying to kill us, the guy persecuting us. It's his mark. You can't even buy or sell without holding on to this thing of this guy who's persecuting us. So the early church would have thought, this is Rome. This is uh, the, the Roman emperor, and he's the one persecuting us. That's what we should not follow. If given the choice to follow the ways of the world and the beast and to go along with him, do not follow the ways of the Lamb. Point number three is this, the last point of this sermon. Um, we're going to get serious now and kind of, re, re, kind of react from uh, the, the details of the beast and the 666 now and, 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 and get to the heart of the matter, which is Revelation 13, 10, a direct quote. Point number three is this. This, like what we're talking about, calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. I'll read it again. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. See, Revelation, uh, we get to the end of the story. We'll, we'll get, uh, as the weeks go by, we'll continue on with this Revelation series. Spoiler alert, like Jesus wins. He has won. We will thrive. Those with him will be handed white robes and there'll be no more tears in heaven. And that's why I started this sermon by saying, like, whatever you're going through, like, it's going to be okay. I could look at every one of you. I could look at those of you watching online. I know uh, Susie and uh, uh, Rosie are watching online. The Wallers, maybe the Bensburg. We have missionaries in uh, Thailand and Cambodia. Maybe you guys are watching right now. And I could look at everyone in here and say, if you're with Jesus, Jesus, then we are going to thrive. It says this in Revelation 14, 13. I heard a voice from heaven say, write this. Blessed are those, uh, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Like, how is that a blessing? How is that a blessing to die? Yes, says the spirit. They will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Like, even if you don't survive, you are going to thrive. If you are with Jesus and he is your Lord, there, that is good news that even death cannot hold a victory over you. Even death, you will live after and Christ will be there and he will bring you to himself. And what the book of Revelation does again and again and again, it says, here's the ways of the world, which are represented by some pretty scary stuff like the beast and this dragon and the ways of the beast. And the whole world is going along with the ways of the world and the money. And you, you get his mark and you can't even buy or sell. Everyone's like consumed with greed and, and the ways of the world. And don't go along with that. Go along with the ways of the Lord. Go along with the ways of the lamb. It looks like, you know, if you were to put a lamb up against a dragon, who would win? Like any old lamb, any old dragon, you'd probably put your money on the dragon if you had to choose, right? But in this story, the lamb, the sl- it even says like the slain lamb, the one who is looking like he is dead, is actually the one who has conquered. On the cross, like his death for us, it's God himself slaughtered for our sins. Like he goes to the cross for us, for our salvation. And if we're with him, we will reign. Amen.